Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitzman, and I'm the host of Track World News, presented by the Harrier. And today marks our fifth episode of our docuseries, Moving Mountains, which follows the chaotic 2020-2021 track season for Mount St. Mary's University. In our last episode, we looked at some extremely impressive performances that launched many people into the record books. In this episode, the team has just one more meet before the conference championship, and everyone is gearing up to peak when it counts. One thing that made this season more difficult than the ones in the past is that the national championship field was cut by a third. This means, in order to qualify for the regional championship, an athlete would have to be in the top 32 on the East Coast, rather than the top 48. This decision was made very quickly and without the input of the coaches, who found out about this massive change, just like everyone else, on the internet. For many athletes, hearing about this decision changed their strategy that one would have going into the year. This mainly had a big effect on high jumpers and pole vaulters, who would now be chasing higher bars to qualify for the championship because being in the top 48 just wouldn't cut it. With this, we saw a lot more failed attempts as athletes tried to be more aggressive with bar passing. Someone that felt this during the year was my former training partner, Carter Nave. Carter joined the team when I was a junior, and I could immediately tell that he was extremely talented. He was my first true training partner and would always push me during our vaulting practices. Even though he would complain about almost everything as a freshman, and he'd be the first one to admit it, over the years he's grown as a vaulter and matured a lot. Entering the mount as a 14-foot pole vaulter with a lot of potential, he has now come into his senior year with a school record and a personal best of 5.05 meters. One thing that he's struggled with over the years has been nagging injuries. Normally nothing that would hold him out of a competition, but mostly annoying things that might limit the amount of reps at practice or weight when lifting. One of these nagging injuries flared up just a week before the last home meet of the year, when he was vaulting at George Mason. During the competition, he hyperextended his knee, which made competing all that more difficult this week. While he did have some excellent attempts at his opening bar, a combination of the bad weather and the nagging injury didn't allow that to happen. With three weeks until conferences, he plans on resting because if he can PR there, he'll be in a very, very good position to potentially break into the top 32. That number 32 has a lot of meaning this year, and at this meet, it's pretty obvious. The Mount coaching staff named the competition 33-48 to 48 Invitational in honor of the over 2,000 student-athletes that would be getting denied the opportunity to compete at the national championships. The, the name of the meet's the 33-48 to 48 Invite. So, so that's like, that's our response to this, right? So that's in, in our, you know, I don't know if I can sort of deviate from political correctness a little bit. Like that's, that's our kind of middle finger to that to that decision. Like it's in my mind, like there are ways to be safe in a pandemic and not cut the field from 48. And, and, and I don't, I don't know why as much as the NCA sometimes says that we're for student athletes, if there's a way to be safe with 48, we should just do it. And there is, there's a way to be safe with 48. So I, I don't know what the reasons are, but in my mind, it's not about safety it 48 people per event 
in an NCAA championship at these beautiful facilities, right? Like they can handle it. So that's the frustrating part. And so for a lot of teams like us and, and other either, either mid-majors or even, you know, you know, power five schools, like they have people that get in at 35 and 40 and make it out. And so like, like, you know, I, I think one of the, you know, one of the beautiful things of track and field is actually you have to you have to show up in that NCAA prelim, and cutting that field is just is 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 has been hard for a lot of us. So so this year, for instance, we have a higher number than normal of people that can probably hit that range, um, um, and so for us in particular, it, it, it could hurt us. It could hurt us this year more than others. Um, we still have one or two that might be able to hit that, that 32. We, I think we have one that, that most years is there. Um, but even then, where, where normally people are chasing a 48 mark, now they're going to be chasing the 32 mark. So what typically makes 32 might actually be increased now because you're going to have more people, more people chase it. So um, I still think we'll get, we'll get one or two there, but, um, but who knows? But I, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I weigh... I weigh between, you know, the sort of frustration I feel with the decision with then like our athletes are just competing and and ultimately they're grateful for that opportunity to compete. But um, but I really think it's a it's a bad decision. It does nothing but but hurt the sport and hurt a lot of young men and women that have worked really hard for this opportunity. This competition was personally very exciting because it was the first time that I was back at the Mount since graduation and seeing many of my former teammates competing in person rather than just as a result on a website. The meet started at 1 p.m., and the weather wasn't that kind at all. It was an overcast and sometime rainy day, hovering around 50 or 60 degrees. Even though the conference championship would be held in May, this type of condition is not that foreign for Rhode Island, where the meet would be held in a few weeks. Of the four years that I competed in my conference championship, only two days of the combined eight total days of competition were ideal, and those two days were four years apart. Someone that is looking to have a good return to the track today is senior Sean Fahey. Sean is no stranger to showing up big time at home. Just three years ago, Sean hit a massive personal best in the triple jump as the very first event of day two during the conference championships. Going into the last round, Central Connecticut had the top three jumpers and were already celebrating a win as Sean, in eighth place at the time, lined up on the runway for the final jump of the day. The conditions were much like they are today, cold and rainy. As the Central Connecticut jumpers celebrated, Sean set a new personal best with a leap of 14.21 meters and silenced the competition to set the tone for what turned out to be the very first team title in 20 years. Going into today, however, Sean has slightly different aspirations. Coming off of an injury that he sustained at the first meet of the year, this would be his first competition back. He would only be competing in the triple jump today, and he wanted to use the meet to gain his confidence back and hopefully put up a few jumps in the process. For the senior, the main goal was to get through the meet healthy and prepare for the championship that's on the way. This competition would be very important for a few reasons. One, it was the last meet before the conference championship, so it'll help the athletes and the coaches gauge where their fitness level is, and decide what minor tweaks need to be made before the big day. It's also important because this meet will act as a mini-conference championship preview because three of the other teams that they'll be meeting in Rhode Island, LIU, Wagner, and St. Francis, will all be there. 
With the stiff competition, all the athletes are on their A game and look to put on one final good race before the championship. Coming off of his massive PR in the 800 last week, Colin Kelly returned in the 1500 meters where he set a four second personal best with a time of three minutes and 53 seconds. In that same race, John Wang, who came in second place with a time of three minutes and 55 seconds, ran right into the infield where he and Coach Fitz finally cut his long hair after he fulfilled the promise that he made all those years ago. The day was marked by many other excellent performances as well. Justin Severite set a conference leading time in the 400 meter hurdles, along with Najee who took home the victory on the women's side as well. Rachel Finn got first place in the pole vault, and discus thrower Emily Eckerd moved up to seventh all time with a throw of 39.09 meters. Overall, the Mount saw eight different athletes bring home first place finishes, and to do it against people in the conference is huge. But the real story of the day happened on the runway with the men's triple jump. Going into the competition, everyone knew that this would be a slugfest. As a conference, the NEC is one of the best triple jump conferences in the entire country, with the Mount being ranked as high as seventh in the nation. And this meet had many of those athletes on the very same runway today. Dylan Leneau took a commanding lead with his very first jump of 15.22 meters, which would lead the competition for the next four rounds. With everyone on their last attempt, senior Sean Fahey started up the clap and then shattered his own personal best with his very first jump over 15 meters. Oh man, uh, this year I've just been working on one thing, just mental toughness. Um, just, just believing um, that I'm that I put in the work the last four years and that I'm I'm good enough. You know, I'm I'm meant to be here, and um, it helps having the best training partner in the country, Dylan. But um, yeah, man, it's just been a lot of hard work, a lot of persevering through injury after injury after injury, um, a lot of visualizing myself getting over that 15 meter mark. You know, I was uh, in the team room in the in the arc, walking around for probably two hours, visualizing that jump, and uh, for it to finally happen, man, I'm so excited. Could you run us through the actual jump itself? The last few minutes yeah. of this meet were pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, could you show you know, what was it like having some stiff competition here and, and you know being in a home arena? Oh my gosh, it's everything, man. I love this track. I love this jump pit. Um, I love this competition. Having LIU here, uh, having Dylan obviously going off, going crazy. It's just. Oh man, there's nothing like it. Nothing like having great competition like that. How does this help you move into NECs two weeks down the line? What's this momentum mean for you uh, with everything? I mean, talk about confidence, man. I, <laughs> I'm confident now. This jump set the tone. His personal best put himself in second place on the day, and with all the fans fired up, everyone began to circle around the triple jump pit as the top three remaining jumpers prepared to go. Feeding off of the energy from Sean's massive PR, LIU triple jumper Chris White started up the clap as well before he hurled down the runway and then reclaimed the first place position from Dylan by just one centimeter with a huge PR of his own of 15.23 meters. At this point, everyone was on their feet as the tension started to grow. Following Chris was his teammate Josira Dunbar, who has now fallen down two spots from his final jump. With everyone screaming, he started up the clap again before sprinting down the runway and then claiming the top spot himself with another PR of 15.28 meters. The home crowd was stunned as now two rivals put themselves in the top two places with personal bests in the process. Watching these three huge jumps was Dylan. 
all the way at the other side of the runway, just pacing from left to right. At this point, you could cut the tension with a knife, and all eyes were on Dylan as he started the clap one last time. Sprinting down the runway, he hit the board perfectly and threw a handful of sand after he hit the ground. He knew he did something special. After waiting for what felt like an eternity for the white flag, the official finally raised it and everyone waited as the official read the results. Huddled around the pit, he read them out. 15.72, a new school record. The crowd went wild and the entire team celebrated with Dylan as he made history with everyone watching. Well, I mean, every time we compete against LIU or FDU or any of the top kids in the in the triple jump column, you know, is they're they're always super energetic and they're they're, they're very humble guys, Chris and uh, Jasira. And uh, at conferences, the last jumps and finals are always super competitive. And I knew they were going to jump something. And I think Chris topped me by a centimeter. And I just knew I had to do something big. And every jump, I was, I was getting a little bit closer to better technically. And Coach just said, hit this. Big push in the first jump. And I knew I could do it. I just needed to hit the board. And uh, I got the clap going. And, you know, I, I knew I had the energy on my side, especially with people passing me. And I knew it was all up to me. And... Um, I just needed a big jump, and you know, after the second phase, I, kn I knew it was huge. I just needed to finish the jump, and uh, yeah, no, the energy is great with the, with the LIU kids. They're always put, they always put up a fight. What's it? Uh, take us through the actual jump itself. The last few minutes, just there was big, big jump after big jump after mm -hmm. big jump. Uh, what? Just take us through that. Your, you know, your very, your last jump, and then eventually, what it's like to know that you eventually got the school record. I mean, it was, I walked back whenever it was, right before Sean was up, I walked back to the other pit really far away and I just stood there and I just took a deep breath looking at the other pit. Sean was up, I cheered for Sean and I was just waiting for Sean to handle contacts. And he finally did, I could see it from all the way back there. So I, I ran from back there and ran all the way up and gave him a hug and I just, I had to run all the way back and I was like, maybe I shouldn't have run like that, but um, then I saw Chris jump and just like I said they, they always come pop out on their last jumps and they did and uh, seeing them jump that far you know it was a good it was a good motivator and uh, just like coach was saying really just push big push and handle it and uh, I got the clap I had the energy I moved back a foot with the energy going I'm gonna run a little faster I'm gonna run a little harder and on the board was perfect and it was just a massive push I felt good positioning in, in, in after the first phase, and I knew that, you know, it's a 40-foot board, so the closer I am to the edge of the pit is I just need to jump 10 feet, you know? And uh, I was close, and I knew I had it after my second phase coming into my third phase, and I just said, you know, just get up and, and finish the jump. And and I knew it was it was just landing. I just knew it was... It was I, I knew I won, but I, I had no idea how far it was going to be. I heard 70, and I was like... I was like, wait, was it 1470? And then I was like, no, it was massive. It was 1570. And then I was like, that's score. I don't know. It's just, it's surreal. You know, it's, it's, I'm just happy, you know. What does this mean for your confidence going into now the conference championship, IC4As, and then later the NCAAs? What's it like to be able to hit a massive mark like this towards the end of the season when you're really trying to hit your stride? Oh, it, it's huge. You know, I, I told from the beginning of the season, Coach, I said, you know, I, I won long, I won high, and I feel confident I'm, I'm at the top for long and high, and I have a chance to win those. 
and I just needed to make up ground and triple. That was my biggest goal this season, and I just proved that I have that massive jump and I have that that ability to win triple. Not not only like you know get top five and snag some points in triple, but I can win it, and I have a chance to win all three. And that's my goal to, to take three gold home. And um, I know there's a, some tough competitors. You know, Chris is good, Jasir is good, Sean's good, Tycho's good. Haven't seen how Tycho's doing, but you know, there's a bunch of good competitors. And now Bryce, the guy I, I've been working with uh, over break, you know, I helped him out a lot in high, and he's a freshman. He's a very good competitor. There's a ton, ton of people, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm just glad there's a lot of good competitors, and I, I can hold my own in, in three different events with people who are very good in their own events, you know. Overall, this week's performances have been phenomenal for the team. Many people stepped up in adverse conditions and proved that they are ready to compete on the big stage. With many races having similar names that will be seen in the finals, the student-athletes now just need to sharpen their blades and get ready for showtime. Yeah, so a lot of good signs, and I haven't, I haven't seen the results yet, so I, I might miss something, but from, um, from what I've seen, like a lot of our big time performers showed up right so um so the mile went out very fast and and you know colin and john had tremendous days um the triple jump i haven't seen the results but i but some big big performances in the 15s prs from from dylan and, and sean um 100 meter very fast uh uh todd handled that well uh um uh, and, and a lot of these races, they're, they're like NEC finals at this, you know, for, for this type of meet. And so that's, that's fun. Um, I haven't got any update from the throws, um, even Carter, right? So Carter technically had a rough day, but like he's way over the bar. So the, like, like, like the signs are the, the, the signs are there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something, you know, on the girl's side, Chalice just split 54 to end the mile relay. Um, you know, the, the, the performances you know pure time weren't there in the women's quarter but the 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 um the wind was crazy and and they finished they beat people they were supposed to beat and competed well um 200s again they did they did great there um justin seawright in the intermediate hurdles Najee nickerson pr'd in the the high hurdles um uh so like our our key key people are ready to go and that's 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 fun emily eckard pr'd in the disc um, um, and that two weeks before conference, that's, that's what we want to see. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, like the, I don't know, what's the expression? Like the haze in the barn, like the work's done, like these next couple of weeks, it's let's get sharp, let's get rested. Um, I didn't know what we were going to see, you know, these, for these next couple, you know, last week and this week, because we had a little bit of break between our, our first two season openers, but like, we're, we're just ready. And so, you know, to focus, it's, it's, are our studs prepared to be studs in two weeks? Are those people on the verge of scoring, not scoring, ready to take a step and, and sneak into that final? Um, and I think, I think we're there. Um, I think the, the trouble with this year is we don't really know where anyone else is. And COVID, when we start testing before these meets, can wipe out any team or any group at any point in time. So I think one of the things going into it is we have to be ready for the unexpected or the curveball, how it, how it's, how it's going to hit us and what that's going to look like and how we're going to respond to it. I mean, we have more or less a complete team on both sides. There are some gaps, um, um, but when, you know, I, I mean, we just watched LIU and Wagner and St. Francis, like, and, 
like they had some studs too, but they have gaps too. Um, um, and we saw Sacred Heart a week ago, and it's and it's it's similar. So I think we're going to see a lot of teams that that have gaps, and so then it's it's how you know who capitalizes and who and who steps up. Um, uh, I mean, Central looks like the team that might not have as many gaps as some of the other ones, but um, but I don't know. I mean, 2018 Central was supposed to win, so who, you know, you know what I mean. Like like I, you you, you never know until you and, uh, until you get there. But for for us, like our the people that that need to score a lot of points like they need to do the job and then there's going to be a curveball and and that's someone that's that's going to underperform and how do they respond someone that's overperformed and that energy comes someone that you know like like and how our team responds in those moments I think will will make or break our chances conferences are now just two weeks away and in our next episode we'll break down the most chaotic championship in NEC history if you like this episode, please make sure to leave a like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps us know you're enjoying the content and helps us produce more stuff that you're enjoying. Have a good one and talk to you soon. Peace.